competing at a combined weight of 405 pounds. They are the reigning, defending, undisputed racing dudes, triple crown champions of the world, the magic. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 467. Mr. Samich. Huzzah! Oh, boy. Ah! A little extra. A little extra. I love it. Uh, if you thought we were going to talk about the Preakness today, you're wrong. We're not. We're going to be talking about Horseshoe Indianapolis because uh, they have an awesome... Uh, first of all, they got an awesome card on Wednesday. But if you didn't know, their pick five sequence has an 11.99% takeout. So just under 12%. It's very player-friendly. You get great results. The racing is usually pretty fair there with how the courses play. So when I proposed this to you, Mike, I was like, you know, I really don't want to talk about the Triple Crown horses right now. I would love to actually just do some nuts and bolts handicapping so you were a game for it uh, i'm excited how often do you play horseshoe or i guess i should what i really mean is how often is horseshoe on the tournament circuit uh well i actually play horseshoe more than most tracks outside of the tournament circuit this is like i like the pick fives here anytime there's a carryover i'm involved in the carryovers because like you said low takeout pick fives and and it kind of is like it's a little like sam houston in a way and we talked about a lot about sam houston earlier on where you've got those low takeouts but you also have situations where if you beat the favorite the but the payouts balloon exponentially because there's a lot of favorite play and the other thing and, and this is not a knock the morning lines are not wonderful there a lot of times so you can take advantage of some faulty morning lines to be able to get you know 12 to ones that go off at three to one but pay more closer to six or seven to one in the pick five sequences because people don't include them because of the morning line so a uh, solid track to play monday tuesday wednesday um, and I don't generally play tournaments there just because they start later and they're usually not as popular. But they, like I said, the pick fives are good. I mean, I'm, I'm live in the late pick five right now. So uh, sitting here with a little little left, if anyone wants to tail the rest of the pick four, it's one seven with one nine eleven with one two three five nine with five eight nine. That's what I've got left of my pick five. Uh, you talked about the morning lines, and I immediately thought of the last leg of this sequence, which is but we're doing races five through nine. They do have a hor um, horseshoe. They have a uh, quarter horse race uh, after the sequence is done. So we're doing races five through nine on Wednesday, May 24th. And race nine specifically, we'll talk about it. Uh, the favorite, I was like, I don't think we're not using the neither of us are using the favorite. I was like, I don't understand why this horse is the favorite. Some horses that were uh, 15, 20 to one last out are now single digits. And I'm like, well, I don't understand that one. Either. So yeah, the, uh, yeah, not knocking the the morning line odds maker, but there is uh, some interesting betting that goes on there. And, and hopefully we can take advantage of it. Uh, Aaron wants to know, do you play horseshoes? Yes, I'm actually very good at horseshoes. I would believe that it's kind of like uh, um, cornhole, like it's a similar, similar yeah. idea. I'm pretty damn good. At, it's one of those games. It's like you know, I wasn't very good at beer pong, but those two games, the more I drink, I usually get pretty good at those. So, uh, horseshoes and uh, bags should be part of the, the the racing dudes Olympics whenever we get to just wipe the floor with uh, team blinkers off. I mean, whatever games they want to lose in, just line them right up. I mean, you know, Aaron. I will say Aaron's probably pretty good at those. We'll leave it at that. Aaron's probably pretty good. <laughs> Maybe he's Missouri good. He's not California good. Hey, listen, you bring in the ringer from. You I'm bringing the ringer from. I'm Jared. That's 100% for sure. Yeah. That would, uh, yeah. Aaron, Aaron and Shotty versus Mike and Magic. That'd be, that'd be a closer one, right? Because especially you got the, uh, 
get that middle of the country vibe where what else is there to do except go outside and throw horseshoes around that you're not using horses anymore anyways we've got the wednesday late pick five at horseshoe indianapolis we'll probably call it indiana grand we're still used to that from a couple of years ago so forgive us yeah real, real quick fun fact so when i was helping my parents remodel their basement in saratoga my actual project was to build a horseshoe pit in their backyard so in men's health they had like a build your own horseshoe pit it was very easy to do so we've got a horseshoe pit in the backyard so it's like a samich family thing whenever we're grilling on the deck everyone goes out and plays horseshoes i love it i wish we had i don't really have live in an urban neighborhood lots of apartment buildings i don't know if anybody would like it if i just suddenly created a horseshoe pit there are things that kind of look like horseshoe pits when construction's going on uh maybe we'll take advantage of that but like i said we've got the late pick five at horseshoe indy on wednesday may 24th coming at you races five through nine let's get into it riders up All right, Mike, here we go. First leg of the Horseshoe Indy Lake Pick 5 on Wednesday, May 24th. Race 5, we've got 10 three-year-old maiden fillies routing a mile in the 16th on the turf. And uh, if this condition sounds familiar, it's going to because race 8 is the same exact thing. But first, race 5, where'd you go on top? I went with the seven timeless elegance on top here uh trying to get a little bit of a price i, I thought this could end up pretty chalky and, and little miss moonlight who's going to be your favorite five to two on the morning line gonna go off a lot shorter than that loves to run second and, and four for four running second so far all at better tracks all with better numbers you have to respect little miss moonlight but i think you can try and beat her and to me the seven Thailand's timeless elegance is the way to do it jonathan thomas ships this one in uh, it's a daughter of warfront of a magdalena mare it's very well bred ran at woodbine once going six and a half Made a nice middle move and then just kind of tired toward the end of the race. I think he's going to like this distance more. I think definitely going to like turf more. So I think those are both positives. Has a chance to be tactical here from a speed perspective as well. There's a couple horses who I think want to go forward but can't necessarily keep it going for the full mile and 16th distance. I think Timeless Elegance sits right behind them and gets first run. Uh, I love the fact that you get Castillo up too. Uh, Thomas and uh, Castillo together, 12 races in 2022 and 2023. 42%, five of those 12 winners with a $2.93 ROI. I think they keep that rolling here. So I'm going to try and kick it off here with a five to one winner on top of seven timeless elegance. We use the same horses that kind of flipped them around, but I completely agree with everything you said. And, and you know, the fact that this horse debuted at Woodbine, I'm not going to knock because uh, the horses here at Horseshoe Indy for the second start is not of that caliber, at least not yet, to be at a Keeneland, to be at a Belmont Park. Like, like Thomas is smart. He puts his horses in the right spot to try and succeed. And so we went to Woodbine. There's synthetic racing there. There's no turf racing yet available for them. So that's why we saw her debut up there. But yeah, we bring her back down here. All great points by Warfront out of Vendagliadoro Mare. Should absolutely love the turf and I think is going to get a great stalking trip. And now we're going sprint to route as well. So you've got that going for. I did put Little Miss Moonlight on top, but you're right. You know, four good seconds, four starts, all good efforts. But at some point, you got to stop finishing second here. Uh, I do like that the last second came at Keeneland going a mile and an eighth with Irad aboard. So now we're cutting back half of a furlong. We're definitely taking a big drop in class to this spot. So... We agree on 5-7. I did want to use the 6, and then I watched every race that the 6 has been in because she looks like lone speed. If this race was like six and a half, seven furlongs, maybe she could hold on to win, but she does not finish her races at all. Yeah, I tried to make excuses too. I mean, you, like you said, she looks like she's going to be loose on the lead. You go back to that that Keeneland race, you, could, you can make an excuse for it. Way tougher there. Mile and an eighth on the turf. That was her only turf start. 
the two turf paradise races she definitely just or i'm sorry turfway park races she just quit out of it last time scratches off the dirt so to go scratch off the turf ends up on the dirt again quits off if i was going to use another it'd be the six here uh, just because of the speed angle the 10 is going to be a pretty short f- price as well delphini first time starter for brad cox don't really want to use it out of the 10 post especially what i think the price is going to be it's why i faded away from there uh, if i went a little bit deeper here it would be the six and i would i would try I mean, I probably would single the eighth race if I did, but I, I didn't have a massive opinion in any of these. And so it made it that it, I couldn't really find that single to allow me to spread in every other leg. Yeah, and I, I'm i with you. I just I couldn't pull the trigger on the on the Cox horse. To me, looking at the, you know, the dams breeding and then the, uh, the older siblings, um, they didn't really do much at all in their careers, but none of them really were, were great on turf to be good on turf. So could potentially upset. It is a Cox horse. You got to respect it. But you're right, a combination of the post, the price and who else is in here i I, I felt pretty confident just going five seven in the first leg as well uh let's move on second leg of the late pick five at horseshoe indy on wednesday may 24th we've got 10 indiana bread males three and up nine winners of two lifetime going six furlongs on the dirt where are you going on top this is another one just a mess i, I mean your favorite is going to be the two <laughs> or the two horse here pickle feet great name by the way love me some <laughs> i love it uh, and I get why, um, not saying it shouldn't be the favorite, but it, like is lost as a dollar 20 favorite loss is an 80 cent favorite loss is a 70 cent favorite, all three of those at six or five and a half. So it's not like we were doing something crazy and we went down in all those situations makes it hard to really love the two in this spot. But again, probably your most likely winner and a deserving favorite. The price is going to be interesting. It's not going to be nine to five. It's, it's going to be closer to even money. And that's, that's not wonderful. For me, I went to the seven on top here. This is just kind of one of those classic Mike courses where we first time out as a four-year-old, ran a very good race, by far the best race of the career. Now you're getting second off the layoff for a trainer who hits at 17% with an $8.48 ROI second off the layoff, I think is going to improve here. That was the first time sprinting as well. So you're getting second time sprinting, second off the layoff is four. There's a lot of bad speed in here. Uh, and so I'm, I'm hoping we get a decent enough pace early and that extra half furlong uh, allows the seven boon share to be able to get up here. So I'm going to go with the seven boon share on top six to one. Uh, again, we use the same two horses and just flip the order of them here. But uh, if you go back and watch that that last race from Volchere, I guess I got to do the French way of it. Um, the winner of that race, I'm, I'm... super easy lead start to finish was like as soon as the horse got on the lead and relaxed, just slowed it way down. And this horse is trying to come from way off. It hailed most of the field in the turn, rallied hard and was one jump past the wire was already a half length pass. I was like, well, that's a horse I think is going to do well uh, next time out. Um, and, and yeah, it's first time in seven starts, the horse tried sprinting. I think maybe this is what the horse will be better at at this level. Uh, as far as pickle feet goes, which by the way, when you said, I understand why I, you were talking about why the horse is favorite. I thought you were about why the horses need pickle feet. And I was ready to sit back for a great story. I was hoping you had some info on that one, but, uh, listen, you, you scratch off last summer. There was that dirt route. Try this synthetic sprint two back scratch those off. Got a win three seconds in a third and five starts. Uh, missed by one and a half lengths, and that was first time, you know, versus winners. It was also in the mud. Uh, misses by a head, misses by a neck. Last time out was uh, by a length, returning for a 123-day break. So logical reason this horse takes a step forward, just like the seven. Uh, I feel pretty confident going to seven here. Was there anyone that really uh, worried you that you were not using on our ticket here? 
Uh, a couple horses I had a little bit of intrigue. By the way, if you tailed that pick four, we just started out with a five to one winner in our shortest leg. So that's always fun. Um, the, and it was an easy winner. This is kind of why I like Indiana, though. I would use two <laughs> five to one shots to kick off with pick five and, and one one by open length. So you can get prices there. And I think the braces get misbet sometimes. Uh, two other horses I considered. Look, the three horse makes sense to me. Uh, three year old second off the layoff here. Uh, ran a pretty good race last time. They clearly thought highly of this horse. Put it in a stakes race when it was still a maiden. Lost that race, obviously. Came back, added blinkers, won. First off the layoff, didn't run as well. Ran better from a buyer perspective, and I thought ran an okay race. Uh, lost to the seven horse by, what was it, about three and a half lengths or so. But I think has a, a shot at rebounding here. My biggest issue when I went back and watched this race, and, and you said it, the leader had a loose lead, and this was the horse sitting in second. And mm-hmm. just the seven still just gobbled this horse up. So it would need to improve more than the seven improves, which I think is going to be an issue there. The price for me that I thought was interesting was actually the eight horse daddy's dream here, 15 to one on the morning line. If I was going to add anyone, it'd be this horse breaks this maiden in first asking goes into the allowance level, which is where we're at today, runs a pretty good second to a horse that comes back and wins next out. Then they jump it up into a $102,000 stakes race where they just went way faster than this horse wants to go early. And that meant there was no kick left late. Now you're getting first out as a three-year-old, 47-2 and two workout. Well, that's my favorite workout because it's two of 23, so it's not the bullet on the page, so people don't <laughs> notice it. That two of 23 is still pretty darn good, so it looks like the horse is ready to fire. I think it might be cheap speed, but I think you could have a, a little bit of excitement in your life here if you included the eight because I do think he'll be around toward uh, toward the top of the stretch. So what, the question of whether or not there's going to be enough in the tank, but at 15-1, to one, if I was going to add anyone, it would be the eight horse here. I kind of looked at the nine slightly, uh, but, but that was a connections play. Gennaro Garcia, Martin Perdoza Jr. I'll talk about them in the future race here. They're really hot together right now um, at Indiana Grand, but I didn't want to play four to one on a horse whose only effort that's even decent on page is going a mile against Maidens last October. You look at what the horse has done since then and uh, in sprints and in routes and, and none of it is just even remotely exciting. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. We'll go two seven on this one. We're hoping for a lot of, I think we saw the same things pace wise as well, that there's a lot of cheap speed that's not going to really be able to hold on and, and definitely horses just kind of run in place and nobody wants to pass. So hopefully we get through this leg, uh, go, we're going to go too deep in each of these first two legs, huh? Yeah, we are. I, I like that Aaron's in the background. He's he's salty over here. He's just firing off, asking if these are good workouts. I don't even know what horse he's referencing there, but uh, he's got a like... horse. He's got a horse running at uh, uh, Prairie Meadows a week from today on Memorial Day in a 10K oh. claimer. That horse is gonna lose. Should I go to Santa Anita on Memorial Day? I've been debating this. Random random tangent. Should I go down there? Why not? I mean, we got three. We got three solid races next Monday. By the way, better than next Saturday or Sunday from a racing perspective. You got three oh, yeah. races at Santa Anita. Churchill's got a couple stakes. I'm actually much more excited about Monday than I am Saturday or Sunday, which is not normal for the horse racing world. Yeah, the uh, this is the Grade One Game Lane, the Grade One Shoemaker Mile, and the Grade One Gold Cup uh, are all going to be there. So. Um, yeah, if, if you're going to be at uh, San Diego on, on Monday, let Mike know you hit him up. Anyways, we'll move on. Third leg of the late pick five at Horseshoe Indy on Wednesday, May 24th, race seven. We've got 10 males, three and up at the N1X allowance level, routing one and one sixteenth miles on the turf. Where are you going on top? Give me the eight. Jackson's gold on top here. Um, this to me is a race where you got to fade the three. And that was really where my, I kind of started my handicap with hard rye guy, I He's got better numbers than these horses. He's coming in facing better than a lot of these horses, but it was eight to one against this level last time. Now you're getting three to one. The horse is going to get bet down pretty aggressively. And we're on turf. Did you notice what hard Rye guys win percentages on turf? Uh, it's not great. 
It's zero percent. He's 0 for 11 oh, on right. turf, and he's going to be the favorite in this race. To me, that's one where I'm like, okay, yep, we're going to try and go ahead and uh, and fade this horse. So I went with the eight horse, uh, Jackson Gold on top, ran fourth behind Hard Rye Guy last time out, but broke from the eight, eight post that day, was wide on the first turn, made this massive middle move on the backstretch, and got tired. And you know what? It looked like he needed the race. And if you go back and you look at his previous races off layoffs, he kind of needed those races. And so I, I feel like as a six-year-old, Jackson's Gold needed that race. Now you're getting second off the layoff. You're going to get a nice setup here for him as well. Uh, Perez clicking off at 20%. I realize the trainer is not very well known, but you've got a pretty good jock riding for him. They are one for five in the last two years here at Indiana, Indi- uh, at Indiana Grand. So, And I'm not going to call it Horseshoe Indianapolis. We're calling it Indiana Grand still. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to take Jackson's gold on top, take a little bit of a shot here at 6-1 to one with this. Unfortunately, Pet, this is always one of my concerns, right? Bred, owned, trained, all same people. A little, little worried about that. Or own a trainer, all the same. But... Uh, I, I do think Jackson's Gold has a big shot here at six to one to upset the apple cart. Uh, I didn't use, but you, you make a good point for the for the eight horse. I think this to me this was the most uh, I would say most difficult, most wide open race for as far as how I handicapped it. Um, this is the deep. I went four deep in this leg as opposed to any other spot. So um, I don't hate the play at six to one. Hopefully you get that price. I did use Hard Ride Guy on top. I did go back and watch that last race uh, over this turf course last time out. And I really loved what I saw from him. Uh, he got buried on the rail behind horses. He had to thread the needle in this stretch. And then the winner just goes wide, goes like four wide and gets a clear trip, has no issue. Hard ride guy almost caught him. Uh, two back at Turfway Park. He was making a great effort despite the slow pace. And then mid-stretch, the winner and the horse that was running up and got DQ'd for this, they pinched him up. And he had to slam on the brakes really hard and didn't have any shots. So I think he's in a good spot. Um, it, it is going to be tough because he is 3-1 to one here. Uh, but with the especially with De La Cruz aboard, I like his chances. But you're right. all of his, his Both of his wins came on synthetic. So he does have that kind of going against him. So I, I understand why you'd want to play against him. Uh, I think we both used, let me double check here. I think we both used, yes, we did. The number two, Suerte at five to one. And I, a horse I think that we've covered before. And I think you used when we were at Tampa for one of those two uh, derby days, uh, derby prep days. Um, eligible for this race because Owen Hardy, the trainer, very wisely ran him out for a 75K tag at Tampa last time out. That was his turf debut. He won that race pretty easily. Similar trip to that, I think, is going to be enough to win here. Jesus casting on a board that day, wins 26% when riding for Hardy. He keeps the mount. It's a horse that's won two of his last three races. Uh, both times he won, he was either on or pressing the pace. And I think sitting just off of this spot, you know, you could possibly see the four go, maybe the seven goes. Uh, I think if Suerte can sit right behind them in about third, second, it's going to be a great position for him. He should be able to get the job done. Yeah, this is a horse that's just improving. I mean, every single start seems to be getting a little better, a little better. I love that turf effort last time out. Uh, if you go and you watch like the internal fractions too. So they went 111 to the to the six furlongs, which is pretty good. They went 137 a the mile, not great. But then he came home in 12 and three in that last furlong, which I thought was pretty impressive for a horse that had been pressing the pace when they went 111. So I, they slowed it down in the middle of the race more than he slowed down, which I thought was a, a positive sign considering how fast he came home in that final furlong. And, and we always talk about, you know, second time a horse is a logical improvement angle. We're now we're second time going on the turf. You'd expect that Suerte, who's improving anyway, could take another step forward here in a spot that I don't think there's a bunch of world beaters in here. And, and as you said, this is a, a turf course where I generally would like to be a little closer to the pace. And that's exactly what we are sitting with here. So I think Suerte gets a very nice trip here. Five to one, a great price. And I'm just taking some swings here. I, I agree, hard ride guy, probably your most likely winner. But to me, it's just the, the price is going to end up being too short there. And so I want to spread out, see if I can find a couple horses to get the job done. And one of those I think is a little interesting is the sixth horse here, Rock and Justice, 10 to 1 on the morning line here. Um, 
horse that is coming off of a decent sized layoff, but we're firing back here and one first off the layoff as a four year old, which was important to me. Now we're coming first off layoff as a five year old. Last time out, won a non-state bred competition. However, that was a claiming race. But if you go back to some of the state bred races, I mean, beat Jackson's Gold, who's my top pick in here, first off the bench last time uh, as a four-year-old. Last time he was first off the bench. So I have to like that fact. And again, it's another horse that just seems to be getting better. Each one of these races taking a step forward, a step forward, a step forward. I think you're going to get close to that 10 to 1 price. Uh, Granite's here, the trainer, 16% off this type of layoff. So that's not a big negative for me. I think you're going to get a, a decent pace setup. I don't think they're going to fly up front, but I think you're going to have enough pace to close into. And that 10 to 1 price, like I said, is where I'm, I'm really keying on. Also, notice that Granite's is a part owner of this horse. And after having this horse available for 30000 they are not making him available again. Huge plus sign for me there saying, hey, we, we want to keep this horse. We think he can get through these type of conditions. So I'll take a little bit of a shot with a six here, 10 to one. And I love him as well. And on top of that, I mean, five starts over this course. He's definitely a horse for course because he's got three wins on the local turf. He's got a second that came in the state bread stakes. And then that fourth that happened two races back uh, last fall. He was a four to five favorite. If you watch that, the, the jockey kept him four wide down the front stretch through the first turn, down the back stretch, off the turn, down the front stretch. You guys, like, what? How are you? He's, he's not justified. You can't make him go four wide around every Indiana bred here and still get the job done. So um, the fact that nobody claimed him, I thought was interesting because I think he's, other than that one effort, he's really pretty damn good against Indiana breds here. Um, and like you said, that was open company claimers that he beat. So and that was, uh, I like the six. Another good race late, too. They went 114 to six furlongs. They finished a mile and 16th and 144. They went sixes home. And if you watch it, he didn't get to really fully extend the stride until late in that race. I thought it was a sneaky good effort there in that claiming race, too. So hopefully we get every bit of that 10 to 1. That's one of those morning lines where I'll be interested to see if it holds up when it's race day. Uh, the last horse that we both used, we both went four deep here. Uh, the number one maintainer on the rail for Tim Gleishaw and uh, and Martin Pedro. Is this the one Pedroza's riding? Yeah, I just I just mentioned that last race. Yeah, Pedrosa Jr. riding for Tim Gleishaw. They're pretty good together. Uh, last two starts for this horse, Mike, I thought he was probably just a little too close to the pace for what he likes to be, including last time out at Keelan versus a lot tougher than what he's going to be facing here. By the way, horses exiting that race. There's a winner. There's two seconds. There's a third and two fourths. So the horses, it's a very productive race at Keeneland uh, that they're leaving. And now he shows up back here. Broke the maiden at Tampa last year against similar company. And you get that class drop, the slight cutback. Uh, Tim Glashaw is one of those good, wholesome trainers. There's very few left in the sport, it seems like. I'd really like to see him get a, win as much as possible, um, except for the last race of the day. We're not going to, neither of us are playing in there. But right here, we'd like to see him get a win here. Yeah, and I think he'd hit the nail on the head just from a competition perspective, right? I mean, the last race is $100,000 N1X at Keeneland. That's a very tough race. Race The four races prior to that, all optional allowances, or three of them, $70,000 allowances at uh, Turfway Park, the fourth and optional twenty-five all probably tougher than this field. So we're getting to go back to the turf where we broke the maiden at Tampa going a mile. Now we're getting back to the turf for the first time since then when we're not at Keeneland. So it's just a significantly <laughs> easier spot here. And again, it has tactical speed, doesn't need to be in the lead. And if you look at the races that he's been most competitive in, he's sitting third or fourth. This should get a very good trip on the rail here, sitting in that third or fourth spot. And then it's just whether or not we're going to be good enough turning for home. 
Uh, people, if you don't remember who uh, Tim Gleishaw is, he hasn't been on the national scene for a few years now, but he trained Buchero, uh, who won the grade two Woodford at Keeneland at one point, and is a, he's a stallion right now in, I think, in Indiana. Yeah, he's in Indiana, so right now, um, and he turns out some real fast sprinters there. And they also had uh, Bullard's Alley. They won a grade one race at Woodbine uh, back yeah. in his career. So Tim Gleishaw can handle good horses. Yeah, one of those trainer numbers is kind of confusing here because he's 0 for 34 for the year, 0 for 8 right now at Horseshoe. But of those eight horses, he's got three of them in the money. So it's one of those racing luck things with him more than anything else. He's, he knows what he's doing from a training perspective. He's not one of these like really small-time guys who's 0 for 34 and you never want to play. He's one of those guys that he'll get the job done. Uh, one horse, that, before we move on, that I'd considered and didn't use, the 10 Rally Squirrel, which I, I is going to fight pickle, pickle Feet for best name for a horse in this sequence. Uh, you've got a great con uh, jockey-trainer combo in Brittany Vandenberg and her husband. Yeah, Chris Emai. Um, they're very great together. My issue with Rally Squirrel is if, if he doesn't get the lead, I don't think he ever, like, he just doesn't have much fight in him. And I'm trying to picture a way that he wins without getting the lead. And from post 10 with some of the other speed in here that, the, you know, we talked about the two will be close to seven, the four might all go. I just couldn't put this horse in there. So, you know, looked good at Hawthorne two back on the, uh, on the dirt and then comes out of a race at Keeneland that was way too tough for him. But I just couldn't pull the trigger on the 10. Uh, same for you. Yeah, I'd never really considered the 10 because of the post and the speed inside of him. I, I was back and forth on the four, specifically between the four and the one who I wanted to put on the ticket. I think Mucho Mojo at 12 to one has a little bit of a shot here if he can get the lead. The problem is I think he gets pressed. And if he gets pressed, I'm not sure he can keep it going. But if I was going to add anyone here, it would be the four, Mucho Mojo, at a little bit of a price. Uh, Dennis bringing up the nine Cyclone Ranger, Brendan Walsh training at 15 to one. He said, I don't have the PPs in front of me, but 15 to one is the horse that bad. Uh, well, his only two good efforts in four starts were uh, on the turf. Well, he's raced at Gulfstream Park on the turf. The only two good efforts were made in claiming races. Um, I thought that the pace just absolutely collapsed last time out in his race that he did win. So now he's first against winners. And I thought that for him to be able to close, it just was an epic pace collapse at Gulfstream. So I didn't have any interest in him in this spot, especially first time versus winners. Yeah, he faced Spy Novel in his career debut, and Spy Novel actually came back to win three times at Gulfstream. So that that maiden score or maiden second place was maiden claiming second place was actually better than it looks. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, he really needed a pace collapse to be able to win last time out. Look, fifteen to one. If you want to include him, I don't hate it. Like I said, to me, this race is figuring out how to get around hard rye guy. Um, and if, if you're going to include a fifteen to one, there's worse places to look than than trying to find one in this race. So. Don't hate it with the connections, uh, but he needs to take a big time step forward. And it's first time facing winners here. And this is a group that like a lot of times these races at Indiana, especially when like Keeneland's running, you don't have that good of fields here. This is actually kind of a salty field for considering where all these horses are coming from versus coming from a 25 maiden claimer at Gulfstream. Uh, let's move on. My penultimate leg of the Horseshoe Indy Late Pick 5 on Wednesday, May 24th. Race 8. It's a mirror image of Race 5. Like I mentioned, we've got 10 three-year-old Phillies maidens going a mile and a 16th on the turf course. And Kenny McPeak is in here with the morning line favorite at 5-2. to two. And I, we've been drinking the Casamigos a little early because we're both using TriBest. It's tough to get around TriVest here. Uh, a pretty good debut at Indiana last time. Uh, horse ran well. It just kind of didn't have enough kick coming for home. But when you go back and you look who was in that race, you compare it to this race, that race was clearly worse or, or better than this race was. This race yeah. came up a little bit light in my mind. Uh, this horse has been working out at Keeneland as well. So McPeak clearly thought something of this horse to have it working at Keeneland with that string and then have it come run here. So I, I think this one has a little bit of it or has a shot to win it and, and probably your most likely winner really. 
just needs to take a small step forward from that first race and is going to be very dangerous in this spot. So this was my second pick in this race, but I, I, I respect Tribest quite a bit. My topic was the one horse uh, accidental icon on the inside. Uh, and this is the Walsh I'm going to be using. Last race was just too bad to believe. I, you watch that back. It's just like the horse never really fired at all. And so I'm willing to just draw a complete line through it. This is a horse that started out with Mott. So it's like a dolphin homebred. They usually give their horses that they think are going to be good turf horses to Mott. They gave it to him. He didn't run that well at Gulfstream Park in a maiden special weight. They flip it over, give it to Brandon Walsh, goes right to uh, Turfway Park, ran okay first off the bench, then stretched out to two turns, which is really what this horse wants to be doing into mischief out of Mr. Prospector. Ran really well. If you go back and watch that race two back, I thought that was actually a very, very good race. Ends up running second, uh, just misses by a half length. Runs a clunker in the next one. To me, the big difference was how far back the horse was. They went 23-46, and he was 16 lengths back. It's hard for some horses to respond to that. They're not going to be going 23-46. He won't be 16 lengths back. I think he'll be in a much better spot today. And if he is, and he goes back and runs to that race two back, I think he is probably the best horse in here. So I put the one accidental icon on top at 92. I couldn't pull the trigger on it. I, I watched the uh, I watched the Gulfstream Turf try, and then I watched the last two uh, tries on Turfway and the synthetic. Um, I just I, that Turfway synthetic. I thought if this horse was going to get it done, it would have been that race, and just wasn't able to get there. Um, the, the, but if, if you look at the running lines, I mean, was this horse is going to be way far off of it, and I don't see any kind of a pace collapse setup that we would have seen in, in potentially other races i think that this horse has a better chance if she's in race five than if she's in race eight just because of the pace setup so i didn't use her i was especially at nine to two i was really worried to use her here um i'm gonna let her beat me but i know i know you like i know aaron likes her a little bit as well so uh see. we'll see well, who's going to come out right, Magic or, or Mike and Aaron? Like, how does this usually play out? It, well, it's funny because you say, like, the pace setup, it needs to collapse. I think it benefits her to have less pace. I think she needs to be closer to the pace versus have it collapse and she runs into it. I think that the fact that they're going to go slower allows her to be close when she kicks versus having to be coming, coming from 10 lengths back, right? I, I think what she wants is to be that four or five lengths back. And if we see it a lot of times, if you allow closers to be too close, they're going to outkick you late. And that's more of where I think this sets up well for her versus having that absolute pace collapse, which it's hard in maiden special weights to come back when you're 16 lengths back. The um, that Gulfstream race, too, they went uh, 24 and a half, you know, pretty much 50, 114 and four. Like it was a slower, slower race there, too. But that was also first time on turf. And you're facing Alpha Bella, who's uh, turned out to be um, at least better than all the horses that are in this group by far. So um, that's fine. Uh, like I said, we're going to have agreement the rest of almost the rest of this way here. Um, you talked about try best. Uh, the horse that won that debut race, by the way, is uh, she's a Cox horse that won by four lengths. Uh, sired by American Pharaoh, out of a Galileo mare. Like, you look at it, you go, what the F was this horse doing in Indiana Grant? Like, why did Cox have this horse there? It's a Coolmore horse. It was, it was kind of crazy. But in that race, she also was the only horse in the Super that rallied. The top three horses in the finish ahead of her, all part of that early mix. The pace setter fitted to fifth, two and a half lengths behind Tribest. So just to kind of further uh, emphasize why we're taking a McPeak horse at a short price, I think uh, is a good reason there. Next up for me, number six, Mischief Lily at four to one, who I know you also used. Uh, good second on dirt, had to fight between and around horses last time out. Beat two horses, Robin Sage and Vogelsong, who are both in race five. So watch how those two horses do. Robin Sage is the horse that I said I wanted to use because it looked like she could finish, or she could be low in speed, but she has trouble finishing. And so, you know, Mischief Lily was able, one of the horses able to get past her there. So watch how those two horses 
run in race five to get an idea, perhaps from Mischief Lily. But, you know, she's back on turf. She was last of 12 at Keeneland. Same spot that the top pick in race five, uh, Little Miss Moonlight, was second in. So, again, you, you got a, very comparable horses here in these two spots. I think that she's going to take a good step forward here back on turf. I think she's also the pace. And that that really, to me, was the reason I used the six. I, I think there we talked about how there is, is going to be a more tepid pace here. Figuring out who makes the lead, I think, is a big part of this. And to me, Mischief Lily is the most likely horse to make the lead. And if that's the case, she could take them a very long way here. So I, I felt from a pace perspective, that's why you had to include Mischief Lily in here. Um, so I'm, I'm going one, four, six. Are you using anyone besides four, six? I am. I got a long shot. I'm going to use number two, DDB, 12 to one. Horse starter, career on synthetic. Uh, ran well in the mud at Keeneland, willing for 20k tag. Both of those starts were out, so clearly this horse was meant for two turns. And that's especially notable because she was with Leslie Ward, and Leslie Ward loves to sprint horses. Like That's usually where his best horses are at when they go one turn there. Um, Eric Foster claimed her for 20k off Wesley Ward, runs her back protected, and making her turf debut. She's by Kitten's Joy. Her dam was a grade three turf route winner in France. Like, it was a multiple stakes winner over there. Like, there's a lot of turf breeding here. And it's like, Ward probably just debuted her on synthetic because there wasn't turf available at that moment. I am under, because it wasn't, uh, I'll go back and double check, but no, it wasn't a rained off the turf race that she was at at Keeneland. So it's odd to me why she showed up there on the dirt. Maybe because her synthetic debut, which she just really kind of lagged around and didn't do anything. Uh, but listen, it, the breeding screams this should be a horse for turf. We're going to be protected after being claimed last time out. And Corrales is a strong jockey. He's 17% horseshoe in Indianapolis. He's 22% when he rides for Eric Foster. So uh, I like that as well, as, as at least as far as the long shot goes. I think that she's she needs to take a big step forward to contend. But the breeding says that she's made for turf. So if she does handle the turf, I think she's going to be really dangerous here. Yeah, the two, DDB and the eight, uh, Paleta, were two that I would have included on this ticket if I could find a single. Because I, I think both of them have a shot at winning at a price here. You, you went up, made a great point for DDB. The, the main reason I left off was actually because it was claimed off Wesley Ward. Uh, it's generally not <laughs> something I love to do. The horse was in for 20K. I like the fact that they're moving it up so aggressively. I think that's a positive. But uh, claiming off Wesley Ward, generally not something I'm, I'm trying to bet back. Uh, but Eric Foster is 19% with a $5.14 ROI off the claim. So... That doesn't suck. Um, so I, I can see him take, allowing the horse to take a step forward here. Paleta, to me, it's one of those where his you know, daughter of collected. He stands for 10000 She sold for or 210000 So monster, uh, monster uh, multiplier there. They like this horse enough to run it at Keeneland last time out and a race with Curl Girl, destined to race two pretty good horses. And Shuri DeVoe is the trainer. And we've talked about her. She's one of those trainers that I really like when we're, we're trying to find prices. And so the two and the eight would be the two prices I'd include. So if you want to single the seven or the five in the first race or the seven or the two in the second race, this would be two of the horses I would be adding on. I, excuse me. I did look at the eight as well. My concern is, and this is the time I think this is the last chance you really take a shot with her because she's trying something new, which is turf. Um, those two, she just those the way she ran in her first two starts. She looked like a horse that just doesn't want to be a racehorse. Like she would just be perfectly happy screwing around in a field, being a mom, anything other than competing because she's never shown any interest. And one was a sprint, one was a route. Uh, but we'll see what happens with the turf. I didn't want to take the shot on her, but. This is the time. If you if you think that maybe she has some potential, this is this is your last shot, I think, because otherwise they're not going to drop her in for claiming. She's you know like you said, two hundred ten thousand dollar purchase, and she has good breeding. She should have demand as a future broodmare. So uh, we'll see what happens with that race. Well, anyways, let's move on 
And fifth and final leg of the late pick five at Horseshoe Indy on Wednesday, May 24th. Race nine, eight Indiana bred males, three and up at the N3L allowance level, routing a mile on the dirt. And this is the one where I said, this is a wacky morning line. I didn't quite understand this one. Uh, we're both passing on the favorite number two wire of the cash. We'll talk about that in a second. Where'd you go on top? Yeah, I, I, this race I thought was interesting because I'm going to use three horses and the shortest one's going to be five to one here. I'm going to go with the six horse <laughs> Jericho Express on top. Uh, it's the second <laughs> off the layoff for a four year old. So we talked about that angle already. We know I love that angle here on this pod. And if you've listened to the podcast before, uh, this is a horse who I think wants the mile. I think there's not a ton in here that want to go a mile, put it that way. So I think the mile is going to be beneficial. And you could look at that last race and be like, oh, well, that was a terrible race, Rand. It didn't run well first off the bench. Well, Went five and a half furlongs. I, I, it feels like that was clearly a prep. If you look at Aaron West, uh, sprints are out at 17%. So it's a move that he likes to do. We're getting second off the layoff, as I mentioned. And if you go back and you just focus on the three-mile races, look, the, the maiden special weight score, probably good enough to beat this field. Comes back in an allowance and 2 l probably good enough to beat this field. Won both of those races. Then they jump right up into a $250,000 stakes. Willing to kind of just say, okay, that one didn't go very well. Uh, then you jump back into that. You get the break. You go five and a half. Now we're getting second off the layoff. We're going a mile back to the distance we want. I think Jericho Express at eight to one is a, a heck of a price here on the six. Yeah, I love it. And uh, the eight to one here, it feels like a gross overreaction to last out when he was seven to two. And I am with you. I think this horse is definitely better uh, going to two turns. Seven to two last out sprinting off of a layoff. Now we're here and eight to one. Okay. Like, you're not going to get 8-1 to one probably when they break from the gate in terms of the win bet. But as far as the multis go, I think we're going to be a lot closer to that. So, yeah, I, it wasn't my top pick, but I agree with you on that one. Um, we also agreed, so we each went three deep, and we each agreed on this horse as well at a big price. Number seven, Bruster Justice at 10-1. to one, um, Stretching out for the first time after using, uh, of this form cycle, after using a five and a half furlong state bread stakes last week to knock off the 252-day rust. That's an interesting way to get that final work in for a horse before a race. But hey, it's we'll see what happens with Bruster Justice here. Uh, won two straight sprints, each by over four lengths to start the career. Fell apart in a state red sprint stakes. That's okay. That was it was a stakes race. We're not Clearly, we've shown we're not meant for the stakes level right yet. But this is where Garcia, Pedroza Jr., 23% winners, 56% in the money together. I think, you know, we got Sprinter trying something new for the first time. I think it's definitely worth taking 10 to 1. And it might be the leader. I, I was kind of trying to figure out who could go. It might be a pressured pace. If that's the case, I don't really have a lot of faith in Bruster. But Bruster, I think, is going to the lead. It's just a matter of can he hold everybody off and, and kind of relax on the backside. Yeah, the tactics of the eight are going to be important here. Because if, if Bruster Justice does relax, he's going to be really dangerous. And the seven-day layoff, a lot of people ask, you know, is that something you want to play off of? Well, if you look at these trainer stats, I mean, second off a layoff of over 180 days, 41%, $3.69 ROI. One to seven days back. He's done this 17 times, which is way more than a lot of trainers do. 35% win percentage with a $3.78 ROI. Two sprints to a route, 17% win percentage. I mean, this is this is clearly something this trainer excels at. And so I'm I'm willing to say I'm going to not be worried about that one to seven day layoff as I would be in a lot of cases. I'm not going to be worried about stretching this horse out because of those sprints to route numbers. And I think it's clearly the fastest horse. I think Bruster Douglas, Bruster Justice gets the lead. It's just a question of how long he'll have it. But I, I want that horse in front here in a race where if the eight decides to not press and just to sit off, all of a sudden, Bruster Justice, I think, becomes a lot more dangerous. Uh, so I, I like the seven quite a bit here at 10 to one. Then we're going to diverge here. I'm going to go to the five horse for whom the bell tolls. 
this is one where, look, we're coming off a long layoff. The source has not run since 2021. That is the <laughs> biggest problem, okay? <laughs> this is the only other horse that really wants a mile in this race. That's my, my main reason. <laughs> go to everything else. The five and the six are the only two horses that actually want to go a mile. Uh, I realize we're coming off a long layoff. I like the fact that we had a nice workout, 47-3 and three last time. And the workouts have gotten progressively better as we have gotten closer and closer to race day here. Uh, the other fact is Deshaun Parker takes them out. I realize he's not firing well right now, but he is one of the better jockeys over this circuit as well. So the fact that he picks this mount up for a barn that doesn't race very often off this long of a layoff with the workouts progressing in the right direction, I'm willing to take a shot here for whom the bell toll at 5-1. to one, And I think we actually get better than 5-1 to one on race day as well. It's uh, I've just got and Shadi uh, like reaffirmed it. I've got Metallica screaming in my head every time uh, I even see this horse's name. So uh, I didn't use and, and the the uh, knock was the layoff for me. The 562 day layoff is not a in, insignificant amount of time. He's now a seven year old, and it's something we talk about a lot is he might very well be good at a mile next time out but when they're this old like they usually need a race or two to knock it off and you're right you got those great works and that's what made me pause and think do i want to put this horse on um if i do get a scratch anywhere in this sequence uh this will be the first horse that comes in there um but i i couldn't pull the trigger on this horse it's just uh, a little worrisome also horses over lifetime on dirt you got to factor that in as well the both wins came on turf so yeah. i'm a little hesitant about him yeah i mean i don't blame you I, again, I went to the, this is the horse that wants a mile. No one else does. Like you go through these PPs yeah. and it's just, they're all a train wreck when they're going two turns. And so for me, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of focus on the horse. I do think wants the distance. And that's, that's why I ended up on the five here, a little bit of a price. And like I said, I'm hoping it's more than five to one. I think this is the morning line that floats up. Well, a lot of these others may go down. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, you have uh, a horse like the eight King of the rainbow didn't use, but just talk about the morning line. Uh, last five starts, and that's just what's on my screen, 44 to 1, 34 to 1, 58 to 1, 14 to 1, 39 to 1, all against Indiana Breads at Indiana Grand at the allowance level, is now 6 to 1 on the morning line. I was like, no, that, even if I like that horse, hell no, I don't want this horse on my ticket. The, the odds are just ridiculous, and that's, I think, a, a testament to just how bad some of the other horses in here are uh, I did end up using as my last pick. I did use the morning line favorite on the rail, sudden shift at five to two. This horse can go a mile. The question is, can he go a mile and, and win? Because this horse loves to run second. 23 starts, nine runner-up finishes. He has two wins. One of them did come over this track at a mile. It was in the slop against Indiana Bred Maidens, but was able to get the job done that day. I, to me, it's just, I was looking through this, I don't like a lot of these horses, and I got that big question mark about the five. At least I know the one is consistent, and he's going to be going two sprints to a route. Now, the previous times that he went sprint to a route in his career, he broke the maiden. Next time he did it, missed by half length last September. And, that, and another time he did it, he set the pace before fading to third. That was in a state-bred stake. So third start of the form cycle, two sprints to a route. Just please, for the love of God, don't finish second again because I've learned the hard way. I don't know if you know this, Mike. Second place doesn't pay in a late pick five. It does not. And and this horse, when I like, when you look through the races, you're like, okay, well, when was the last time this horse won? That would be it's April twenty seventh, two thousand twenty one. So you're you're mocking the five the was still running when that horse got his you're last win. The <laughs> on the five, the five is one sooner than the one has, um, and you're getting five to two here. Now, the, the pluses, the, the two sprints to a route trainer does it very well. Another one that should be forwardly placed has the stamina to stick around. Just doesn't seem to be good enough to ever win, and that to me was the biggest thing here. It's just like 
if we haven't won since since literally and wow indiana grant just blew up by the way 30 to 1 over 19 to 1 over 37 to 1 uh so that try is going to be nice and that's going to blow up the pick five unfortunately i didn't have the four uh Yeah, not fun. Uh, the one doesn't like to win. And so nope. for me, it's it's like, look, there's a five to two shot that doesn't like to win. There's a nine to five shot that doesn't like to go to mile. I'm going to try and beat them both and see if we can kind of spice this up a little bit with some prices. Well, let's talk about that real quick too. the two where the cash I said we'd circle back here. Um, is is the nine to five more line favorite? The two wins both came here going six furlongs. The last two times this horse made start in 2022 was routing. One was a stakes. One was an allowance level. Didn't really factor in either of those very well, but also, excuse me, as much as I like Tim Glyshaw as, as a person, Tim Glyshaw does not like to win first off the layoff like this, of an extended layoff. 0 for 10 last year doing this, uh, only three of those horses even finished in the money, and he's not running a lot of these horses at big tracks. He's running them here at places like Indiana Grant. So uh, a combination of those, not you know questioning if he can handle the distance and then that long layoff. I, nine to five. This feels like a really. This feels like a favorite we're meant to beat from a horse player perspective. Yeah, this is one of those where if it beats you, it beats you. And, and the, the race people are going to point back to is a stakes race where a horse ran third, got a career best buyer. That feels like the numbers pretty inflated considering they went twenty five to the opening quarter and one thirty eight <laughs> and two to the mile. So like, and, and I realize, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, yeah, my my top pick Jericho Express has lost to the one and the two the last two times out. So I totally understand if people want to take a shot at that, but. I, to me, it's just like, look, why are the cash is a horse you got to try and beat here? The, the price is just going to be way too short for a horse that I don't think wants it. This is not a wonderful field. The two could totally win. The one could totally win. But to me, they're both going to be way too short. And if you want to try and balloon this pick five, the way to do it is to beat the one and the two here and to beat the three rye guy. And the, the, I think it was the third race in the sequence. So that's what we're going to try and do. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to talk about the late pick five at Horseshoe Indianapolis or Indiana Grand on Wednesday, May 24th. And again, a reminder why we're doing this track is, uh, well, A, we didn't want to talk about the Preakness and the Triple Crown horses, but B, they have a 11.99% player-friendly takeout and great field sizes. The weather looks like it's going to be uh, fantastic. So we love to support these tracks uh, that are trying to give us these nice takeouts. And also, the... I will say that the the announcer is John Dooley. So if you watch Fairgrounds from the from the winter, John, you'll recognize the voice of the race caller. Uh, Rachel McLaughlin is is the uh, the simulcast host. She is is very active on social media. So you have a lot of horse player friendly people as well as scenarios setting up here. So really, if you get a chance, and not just this time, you know, try and especially if you have some luck this week, uh, try and play Indiana Grand as much. Oh, I did it again, Horseshoe Indianapolis as much as you can, because uh, lots of fine folks in there doing a lot of good things over there. Uh, for the audio listeners, we'll give out our tickets one last time. It's down below if you're watching on YouTube. I will start. I'm gonna go five seven with two seven with one two three six with two four six with one six seven. That's seventy two dollars. I totally forgot that I. <laughs> In the penultimate race, there's a Brad Cox horse that's on the also eligible, the 11. If she draws in, she's definitely making the ticket, but uh, I'm not sure she's going to draw in. So uh, that is my ticket. What is yours? Yeah, the 11 and the 12 in that race will be my first and second pick if they draw yeah. in. They're both the two AEs are probably the best two horses in that field. So that would definitely adjust how you play it. If the 11 draws in, I think you could actually single the 11 if the 12 does not draw in. And then you could spread into some other legs and use some of the horses that we discussed in those spots. Uh, 50 cents, yeah. I'm going to play 5 7 with 2 7 with 1 2 6 8 with 1 4 6 with 5 6 7 for 50 cents. That's 72 bucks. Uh, yeah, let's hit this sequence. It's fun. Uh, Dennis is all excited about Aznabois Downs. That is the correct pronunciation. I'm not going to uh, say it how it looks phonetically because 
Uh, that's how you get on some people's lists. And I don't I don't need to be on any more lists than I already am. Uh, if you're looking for a list of Belmont potential horses, we've got that preview for you. Aaron did that at uh, racingnews.com and youtube.com slash racing dudes. An early look at the right now 13 different contenders for the Belmont stakes. You can go take a look at that. Uh, we could see National Treasure, the Preakness winner. We could see Arabian Lion, the Sir Barton Stakes winner. Uh, Tappet Trice, is this his race to lose? Forte coming in, could that, A, could it happen? B, could it screw things up for Tappet Trice? So uh, let us know in the comments section of that video as well what you think. Still a few weeks out from that, but uh, never too early to start looking ahead to that race. And really just an awesome weekend, the Belmont Stakes weekend, but especially Belmont Stakes Day. You've got the Met Mile, which is going to be exciting. Lots of great turf action. So uh, Belmont's starting to heat up. We can finally move away from Pimlico, Mike. Yeah, I'm excited. This is like, I actually really like Santa Anita's cards all week. So we've got solid cards from Santa Anita coming up this week. And then that Belmont Festival racing is great. Every year that the undercard is solid. It's a lot of fun, fun turf course to bet. So excited to get, uh, get, get, get to Belmont as well. And what that really means is once the Belmont runs, now we can start talking about how many days till Saratoga and Del Mar. Yeah, baby, let's go. That's that's really what matters. Yeah, we get past that, and then Stars and Stripes Festival for from uh, Independence Day weekend at Belmont. And then okay, this is officially we're we're X number of days uh, to uh, to Belmont. Uh, Shadi with the callback to Saturday's live stream. Sounds like Magic needs to see a therapist about these lists he's on. I like that was a good joke. I like that. Uh, Real quick, Long Garfield says, uh, how can someone join this show? Uh, shoot us at contact at racingnews.com. Shoot us a little one to two minute video uh, you know, with a little something that you like about horse racing. Or not horse racing. Obviously, hopefully you like horse racing if you're watching us. But if you have an opinion on a big race that we're going to be covering or something like that, shoot it over to contact at racingdudes.com and uh, we'll throw it up here. And hey, if you are really that good maybe we'll actually put you on the show so we'll find out always looking to uh, add new people uh thank you jason for joining us appreciate that and uh patrick already calling the shot forte is going to kick their ass could happen should we uh should we do a little bit of an adjustment show wise maybe do a friday show instead of a thursday show and do the monday pick five at santa anita i was going to ask you if you wanted to do that we can yeah the well I'm no sure. we won't be able to they won't have the cards drawn in time on Friday, they want to have a card drawn? They're drawing it Friday afternoon. Like, we'll be live as they're, like, releasing the card, I think. Dick move. Unbelievable. Yeah, that, that's why my email was so vulgar when I was sending out the uh, uh, the assignment. Yeah, I, explain that to me. San Anita's got jack shit happening from San Anita Derby until Memorial Day weekend. Why are you waiting until three days before your races to get those out? Like, that's stupid. Just draw them on Wednesday. I'm not even asking for a week in advance. I'm asking you for Wednesday, for God's sakes. So what, where are we going to go with this then? I guess we could go Santa Anita Saturday. They got two graded stakes. So they'll probably both be in in the. No, uh, oh yeah, that's Saturday. Yeah. So I was gonna say Sunday is the one where it's, it's the state bread day. Um, yeah. Well, I, well, I'm saying that because we could say, look, if we can pick a sequence now, we could tell everybody if you have an opinion in the sequence, you could send us a video and we could play them during the races because we could start doing that on the Thursday show too. We just need to know what the heck sequence we're doing. That would be nice to do. Santa Anita is screwing it up for everybody. Lon, we would love to help you out, but San, you can blame Santa Anita for this one. We can't do it. Uh, that is a great thought. Um, let's see. We've got Triple Bend and Daytona on Saturday. Saturday's card at Santa Anita. So I have no idea what those fields are going to look like, though, either, because it's yeah. Santa Anita. Like, are they going to be five, six horse fields? We'll have, to, we'll have to figure it out. We'll, 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 we'll get better at this so then we can tell people the sequence on Monday <laughs> so that they can send videos in for the Thursday show. 
Yeah, we may get better. We're literally just making this up on the fly. So, uh, yeah, let us know. But uh, you know what? You can find out where we're going by following us on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Kellogg. He is at SummerBomb18, number one, number eight, corporate overlords at racing underscore dudes. Uh, if you do want some more Preakness talk, uh, I'm sure Jared will spend a few hours on Thursday talking about it. So tune in for Blinkers Off then. Also tune in every Wednesday through Sunday. Well, Monday. This week might be a little different, but usually every Wednesday through Sunday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific for dudes who bet daily. I've uh, been crushing the bets over there with our best bets for every sport for the sports and horse racing world. So please join us over there. And of course, join us on Thursday for wherever the hell we end up going. We're not sure. Until then, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this week, especially Wednesday, May 24th at the Horseshoe. The Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.